everyone and welcome to what's your jersey podcast i am your host jacqueline mar fuji and this is a very very special day here on what's your jersey uh before we get into how adjacent my guest is to this podcast i just want to say thanks for tuning in Thanks for listening. If you're a repeat listener, what up, meatballs? Uh, I love hearing from you. I've been getting a lot of great DMs and responses, and um, I think you're really, really, really going to love my guest I have in store for you. Uh, I have a bunch of comedy show dates coming up, and you can find all those either on my website, uh, just JacquelineMarfuji.com, or at JacquelineMarfuji on Instagram and Facebook, and the way to spell that name is in the podcast notes. I hope you guys are all having a great week so far. Uh, I just have to say, I didn't get to celebrate with you uh, National Meatball Day. So happy National Meatball Day, Meatballs. It was last week, but I'm coming to you this week. And uh, my guest has meatballs sitting in front of him because that's just what we do here on What's Your Jersey podcast. Uh, without further ado... I just want to say I am so excited to have him on. He is a Laugh Factory and Comedy Store regular. He's been at the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival. You've seen him on every major network. He's been on Byron Allen's Comics Unleashed. You have over 200 national television commercials. Like, you must be tired. You've been working a lot. You've seen him on The Tonight Show. He's won a USO Bob Hope Comedy Award for military performances. And you are in the Comedy Hall of Fame for New Jersey, but my favorite thing about you is that your hashtag is Make America Italian Again. Meatballs, welcome Mike Marino to the podcast. Holy smokes, that's got to be the greatest introduction <laughs> I've ever had in my entire life. I'm sitting here listening, I'm saying to myself, oh my God, I hope she's talking about me. <laughs> that is one heck of a resume. I know. I am so happy to be here. I Aww. mean, I, I love the title of your show, Watch Your Jersey. And I'm from New Jersey, and I got some for you. And my favorite food happens to be meatballs, go figure. Right. Nice Italian kid from New Jersey growing up in the basement with mom, having meatballs and macaroni. This is just the best. And here we are in Los Angeles making that happen. I know, right? And that's rare. In so. L.A. There's like three of us out here that are Italian. <laughs> thank you so much. Oh, thank you. You're so busy. Thank you for making time to be here I'm and a- to celebrate National Meatball Day with I me. I didn't know it was National Meatball Day. Yeah, it happened day. last week, but we're celebrating it today. National Meatball Day. I know. It's a whole day dedicated to my podcast listeners. Well, that's absolutely fantastic. And I'm so glad that I have three meatballs and a roll in front of me. I know. I didn't want to bite the email, uh, bite the <laughs> bite the meatball during the introduction because I might have, I might have, I don't know, sounded like I had a meatball in my mouth while I was saying hello. Okay. But I'm going to do it right do now. Do it right now. Uh, what the meatballs and I want to know is: Do you still live at home with your mom in the basement? Holy moly, that's a good meatball. <laughs> See how I dodged that question? I know you really did. <laughs> I actually own the house I grew up in. In Scotch Plains, New Jersey. And I bought it from my mom and dad because about 15 years ago, let's say, they were getting older mm-hmm. and they needed some help. And like a good Italian son, yeah, I said to them both, listen, I'm doing really, really well. I need some real estate. I'll buy the house from you. And you live in the house the rest of your lives for free. And I'll take care of it. All you have to do is 
Make sure there's macaroni and meatballs waiting for me when I come home. <laughs> and there you go. I and so now everybody's deal. happy. That's amazing. And I remodeled the house. And I've been remodeling the house, which makes my mother a little angry from time to time because she says, why can't you leave it alone? Leave it alone. You spend it too much money. But, you know, she's from the back in the day. My mother really is from Italy, so she doesn't want you to touch anything. They don't like change. No, they don't like change. That's (laughs) That's the wording. That's that's the way kids would actually say. The parents don't want change. Yes. They don't. (laughs) You have a very unique style, too. What is that? Well, you, I mean, right now you're wearing your merch. Can you yeah. just describe for the meatballs everything you have going on right now? Well, thank you very much. <laughs> but uh, as you know, a lot of Italian people are comfortable in track suits. Yes. Uh, I wasn't wearing track suits on stage. I always dress nice. But recently, since I came up with this hashtag, Make America Italian Again, and I put it in my show, I figure why not have some T-shirts that say Make America Italian Again? Yeah. And then I created the tracksuit. So the front of the tracksuit says, New Jersey's bad boy Mike Marino. Mm-hmm. And on the shoulders it says, Make America Italian Again. And if anybody wants one, just go to MikeMarino.net and buy one. Boom! <laughs> it actually comes in underwear for girls, too. I oh mean, my God, I, I guess the it. guys could wear them, too, to look a little silly. It's like a Speedo. <laughs> but, great. you know, and, and, and I'm Is having fun with it. Is your name on the underwear, too? Well, it says, get the bat on the back of the underwear, which is a catchphrase. I like that. About whacking people. Oh, my dad always had a bat under the bed. Perfect. I can't wait to meet your father. Run out into the driveway with the bat. My father gave me the bat. Really? That's what I don't understand. People say to me all the time, why is there a baseball bat in your car? And I would say, protect myself. Exactly. When I was 16 and I bought my car, Uh not like kids get a car, I bought a car. It was 600 bucks. I could barely get it to go back and forth to school. It's when you got in the car with your friends and everybody uh, chipped in a dollar. And then uh, my father said, here's a a baseball bat. But the theory was, if a cop pulled you over Mm -hmm. and the baseball bat was in the front seat, he could say you're carrying a concealed weapon. So you had to answer the questions properly. So if the cop said, what's with the baseball bat? You say softball. I mean, my dad was on a softball team. Softball. Like, it's a very valid answer. Softball. Softball. I, like, I might get into more of a Jersey accent. And then I this. took that into a joke. Okay. Because if there was snow on the ground, he would say, well, why do you have a softball bat in your car? It's snowing. It's off season. So I would say, well, I'm, I'm practicing as much as I can. Then if the cop said, well, why is your softball bat cut in half? With a metal rod down the center, I would say, well, I'm on the remedial team. Oh, my God. See? <laughs> Look at you. Spoken with a meatball in my mouth. Yeah, that was really on brand. Um, before we get into all things you, I feel like we should do a little rapid-fire question round to really let the meatballs know what kind of Italian you, you are. You call your fans meatballs. <laughs> that is hilarious. No, that's hilarious and that's meatball. genius. Hello, all meatballs out there. Aww. I call my fans family. That's great, family. too. Keep it in the family. They're all family. Yes. And, uh, you know, from the people who say crazy things to beautiful things to sad and endearing things, the family. I love that. Yeah. We need to get the family together the with family. meatballs. The family. All, yes, exactly. you got it. <laughs> we get all the family together and have some meatballs, and we'll talk more about what's your jersey. All so, right. So. Rapid fire. Is it sauce or Gravy. Gravy. Oh, see, I like it. Is there a fight? You say gravy? I say sauce. Oh, you do? Yes. Okay. We got a little red sauce. 
Well, we could break it down as to the reasons why. Oh, I okay. Mean, Tell me why it's gravy for you. My mother, who's from Italy, mm-hmm. always said gravy because the gravy sauce was made from meat. Mm-hmm. So it was a meat sauce. Yeah. Meat gravy. So we'd say gravy because in my mother's gravy was meatballs, sausages, brajol, yes. which is the best, and pork. Mm-hmm. But if it wasn't in it, it was marinara or marina. Marina. Marina okay. in Italian. And marinara is sauce because there's no meat in it. <laughs> All right. I like that. See, that's the real thought. That's the real thought behind it. Mm-hmm. I'll take it. You've convinced me. I'm still going to call it sauce, though. I'm going to an Italian-American club meeting this Wednesday night in Westfield, New Jersey. Oh. I fly in in the morning and I go right to the meeting. These guys... Speak broken English. Mm-hmm. They're all from Italy. Some of the guys are in their 80s and 90s. And this argument goes into a street fight. They'll I, go nuts Are we going to throw down after Especially this? the Sicilians. You uh, say gravy to a Sicilian, he's going to lose his mind. Are you Sicilian? No, I'm no. a Bruzzese. What are you? I'm, I'm not Sicilian. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're from Naples. I'm, well, because you're Napolitano. Yeah, Napolitano. Well, I'm a Bruzzese. They always said that people who are Bruzzese are from northern Italy, uh-huh. hence the blonde hair and the blue eyes. I know. You look Swedish. You really do. I'm not going to lie. A lot of people say Irish, but I'll go with Sweden. Yeah, a little bit. Blonde hair, blue eyed. Yeah. Do you get tan or are you just pale? I still get tan. You still get tan. But I have to burn first. Oh, God. That's um, we're, we're the rare Italian breed. We get uh, burnt. Yeah. Then by the end of the summer, you get a little olive. A little bit. But I'm not as olive as you would be. Oh, yeah. I don't have that. Let's say pigment or whatever it is. Well, no. I have to fry first. Oh, man. That must have been fun in all your Jersey Shore summer. Yes, because you know I'm from the Jersey Shore. I do know that. Um, okay. Is it mozzarella or mozzarella? Mutz. Thank you. All right. Mutzi. We agree on that one. I never even said mozzarella. <laughs> I, I don't even know how it. to say it until I moved to California. It's so Would like, you like some mozzarella? No. I'm like, what is that? Yeah. That's, <laughs> is that a car? What the hell? Stop it. No. A Maserati. You're doing it wrong. (laughs) Mozzarella. Exactly. Um, Gnocchi or gnocchi? Gnocchi. Gnocchi. Mm -hmm. God. Okay. Maybe we'll just have one disagreement. I could say that right. You said it right. However, not a big fan. Why not? They were just too heavy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You got a really big I'm a ravioli guy. You're a ravioli guy. Do you Mm -hmm. like just regatta in it or do you like. What did you say? Regatta. Uh-oh. Oh, I is it ricotta? ricotta. I said ricotta. Ricotta. Oh, so you just chopped the last TNA off. Well, my, my family's very slang. Okay. Very, very slang. Do you have any favorite? from northern Italy, and they were considered the, the so-called mountain guineas. They lived on the cliffs. Oh, so my God. mother always said, ricotta. Ricotta. Yeah. I, I like that. Ricotta. That's a good one. I never said ricotta, ever. Ever? Until I came to California. Well, I, mine was regatta. Regatta. So I, I just, you got a G in there. Yeah, you're right. All right, so we're half in agreement. <laughs> we're half in agreement. Do you speak Italian? We even said palio. I don't even know if that's a brand anymore. Palio? Palio cheese. Yeah. I, I think it bird. still is. It, which, I don't get the bird thing. I mean, neither did I, but there was a bird on the palio Yeah, it was weird. Cheese. Wasn't he a chef? Was he a bird it chef? He was a chef. Yes. yes. He, he had a, a hat bird. on. Yeah. Oh, I uh, want to go home. <laughs> I know, guys. <laughs> I go home. Is anyone hungry? Yeah. Um, the beach or the shore? The shore. The shore. Yeah. Down the shore. I lived in North Jersey. We had a house in Belmar, so we would say... We're going down the shore for the weekend. Was Barre there when you lived there? Barre was there, and it still is. It still is there, yeah. No. In my heyday down on the shore, uh, there were 22 bars in a one-mile square radius, 
So you never really got in a car. There was no such thing as Uber. Yeah. You didn't take a taxi. You just walked. Yeah, from the top. You walked anywhere you wanted to go, and then you stumbled home. Sounds magical. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. So, and Mike. You went and got your, your meatball sandwich. Would you get meatball sandwiches after the club, or is it more like a huge slice of pizza situation? That's good trivia. Because in this area where all these clubs were, of course, there were that many places to eat. Yeah. And they were open till 4 o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. And you had no problem gouging. So let's say you're 19 to 25, maybe even 30 years old. You have no problem at 2 o'clock in the morning not only having a slice of pizza, but a meatball sandwich, a cheesesteak, whatever. Mozzarella sticks. That's always my go-to. I never was a mozzarella stick guy. Oh, really? To me, that took up too much space in my stomach. I'd rather have <laughs> like a hot dog, an Italian hot dog, okay. or sausage and peppers. And what's big in New Jersey around that time of night? Pork roll, egg, and cheese pork. on a hard roll. <laughs> or Taylor ham. See, Call I, it what you like. I was never a big pork roll fan. It's okay. More I'm, for you. I'm ready for pork roll right now. I know, but with right these now. meatballs You're in front fine. of that I'm actually eating while I'm on your show. I feel so bad, though. I gave Mike healthy meatballs. I gave him turkey meatballs. And I'm eating them. <laughs> no, he is. <laughs> and, and any Ginzaloon from New Jersey on a talk show eating meatballs would be considered a what? Oh, God. A gavon. A, a gavon, yes. <laughs> He's a real gavon. Uh, okay, Goodfellas or Casino? Goodfellas. Good, oh, see, I'm a casino girl. Well, I like Casino, of course. In yes. fact, I even know some of those real-life guys. Oh, like who But Casino tells? was a great, great movie. I mean, uh, Goodfellas. Goodfellas. I, I mean, just love Goodfellas. My favorite thing is when <laughs> he gives Karen the money and he goes, how much? And she goes, this much. Right. <laughs> oh, how great is that? God, that's a fantasy. That's a goal. And Ray Liotta's from Jersey. Uh, what part of Jersey is he from? I believe he's from Union, New Jersey. Okay. And last year, I think it was last year, he was inducted into New Jersey... Hall of Fame. I mean, so you're both New Jersey Hall of Famers. You're a comedy well, Hall of Famer. Well, I'm in the Comedy Hall you're of Fame. Com- it's a different one. It's a different one. I wish I could be in the Jersey Hall of Fame. I didn't. But maybe someday that'll happen. I think after this podcast, Mike. Right after this podcast. I, I really think it's going to happen I'm going to get you. a meatball deal. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the Sopranos or The Godfather? It's a tough one. I, that, that really should be two different categories. I know it should be. I almost, I almost was like, this isn't a Sopranos real Sopranos is a great show. Of course. Yeah. But The Godfather is a legendary movie. Yeah. Didn't you work with, um, what's her name, Talia Shire? She played yes. Adrian and she played Connie in The Godfather. Yes, yes. You were in Pizza with Bullets together. Holy smokes, that's great stuff. What was that like working with her? You have scenes with her. I do. Like, yeah. Holy smokes, In my family, that. she's a legend. She's a legend. Well, <laughs> what happened was I got cast in this movie called Pizza with Bullets because they had seen me doing stand-up. They stand, they could stand up, and then they call me in for a reading to audition. Mm-hmm. And it's a great story, these behind-the-scenes stories, I think, because when I went to go audition, I figured I was reading for a police officer or something. And when I went down there, the lady said, you have the wrong day. You know, we're looking at the mobsters right now for the, the scenes, and you look very Irish and police officer-ish, so come back tomorrow. And I said, well, you know, the director saw me doing stand-up, and he told me to come this day, Mm -hmm. and I think they might consider me for one of the wise guys. Mm -hmm. And she goes, no, I really don't think so. And I'm like, oh, man, because I studied the audition scenes. Well, then he showed up, and when he walked in the room, he was like, what's going on? And she goes, well, he should come back tomorrow and read for one of the cops. And he goes, no, 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 he's not reading for anything. He's got the role. I wanted him to come and meet everybody. He's going to play the priest. It's perfect. It's just perfect. Oh, 
because the priest wants to be a wise guy in the movie. Got it's it. a comedy. Yeah. So when I went on the set, I first met Vinnie Pastore from the from Sopranos, the Sopranos Big, Pussy. Big Pussy, and then Talia Shire. And the first scenes were the three of us. He's in a coma, and she's praying that he'll come back to life. And I have a fetish for food, and I'm constantly eating, and that's the joke. And she kept saying to me, you know, could you put the food down? Could you do this? Could you do that? Father, what's with you? You know, and he, I always say these things like, you know, I could have been a hitman. I could have been a wise guy and, and those jokes. So, so I remember funny. after one or two days of filming with her, I said to her, uh, do you mind if I call my brother uh-huh. and put you on the phone? Because yeah. I couldn't believe I was working with Adrian. I'm such Adrian. Adrian. And I'm calling my brother, man, you don't believe this. And I put her on the phone. She was really, really nice. And then like on the third day, she goes, <clears throat> I know you're a stand-up comedian. Um, am I being funny? Do you think I'm being funny in these scenes? Is it coming across that I'm funny? And I went, could you hold on a minute? I want to call my brother because <laughs> he's not going to believe me yeah. that I'm being asked about, funny about from your Adrian. talents. Right. From Adrian. So we did that for a couple of uh, weeks, and then the movie came out. The movie's very, very funny. And then, miraculously, I worked with Vinnie Pastore many, many, many more times because he sings. Mm-hmm. So we did Wise Guys on tour. He did com- uh, singing, and I did comedy. And also, the lead in that movie is Ronnie Marmo, mm-hmm. who's a Jersey guy. Mm-hmm. Maybe eventually you could have him on your show, but Ronnie right now is starring in an off-Broadway play called... I'm not a comedian. I'm Lenny Bruce, mm-hmm. which is about Lenny Bruce. And we were all going to the Garden State Film Festival at the end of the month of March to be part of what's going on because everybody has a project in it yeah. and we all know each other, which is really, really great because this is how this is all going to happen for us. Yeah. It's like we're big- all going to be on the set making a major movie, <laughs> eating meatballs with ricotta cheese. <laughs> oh, you added the ta at the end of ricotta. Ricotta. <laughs> Yes, because I'm a thespian. <laughs> oh, I love it. You are. You actually started out acting in New York, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, let's get into it. So, well, actually, no, I want to go even further back. You grew up at the Jersey Shore. Yeah. And Mike recently showed me a sizzle for a documentary. Would you yes. call it a docu-series about the Jer- like the real Jersey Shore? Well, I think it should be a docu-series, but it really should be uh, a documentary. Yeah. Uh, it all depends on whose hands we put it in, mm-hmm. because... I mean, literally, there are 17 summers on those tapes. So I don't know where it should actually go because you put it in the hands of the wrong people and then it becomes a mess. Yeah. But technically, what's on those tapes is a reality show done 20 years prior to the word reality show. Mm-hmm. And tell the meatballs how you were actually to get all this footage because it's unheard of to walk into a bar and film stuff 20, 30 years ago. Uh, I grew up doing TV commercials in New York City. Mm-hmm. So from the age of 14, 15, I was doing, you know, M&Ms, apple pie, potato chips, airlines, and I was making great money as a commercial actor. Were you funny as a kid? No, I never really wanted to be a comedian. This I wanted to be Robert De Niro. That was it. Okay. But I had very thick, long, blonde, bright blonde hair with blue eyes. So I would just walk into a commercial audition and be like, oh, just book him. Okay. Because I look like the all-American boy. Yeah. And um, there were a lot of uh, kids at that time auditioning for these projects that became big stars. I used to see Demi Moore every day. Ian Ziering from 90210. Um, Matt LeBlanc. It was like a, a cluster of 30 actors just uh-huh. going on auditions two and three times a day. Because yeah. it was a totally different 
market. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I did a Pringles commercial when Pringles first went into the can. I mean, just think about that. Fruit of the Loom, when they had all the people who were the fruits. I mean, I was almost one of the fruits at one time, but it's just way back. You're talking 70s and the 80s. Yeah. So I had enough money to buy a beach house. Uh-huh. And at that time, those beach houses were going for like $100,000 for 12 bedrooms because people only went there in the summer and in the winter, everybody disappeared. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about a town that would have 20,000 residents to 60,000 for three months come the summer. So me and my brother bought the house. We nicknamed it the Shore House. And since I always had a camera, I would videotape everything we did. So if I felt like going into a club and other people wanted to go into that club with a camera, they couldn't because I was Mike Marino from As the World Turns, Kentucky Fried Chicken, United Airlines, AT&T. So they just said, okay, let him do what he wants. But you think about it, there's no cell phones. Nobody had Instagram, Facebook, none of the above. If you met a girl and you got her phone number, that was going on matches, and you were hoping it was her real number. Oh, yeah. And her mother might have answered the phone because we had landlines. So (laughs) I was lucky enough to do it, and then I used to annoy people. Wherever I went, I had the camera. Mm -hmm. So if we went surfing, I was filming it. If Mm -hmm. we went to a bar, I was filming it. If we were having dinner with our family, I filmed it. Anything, I filmed it. Almost everything. Almost. I mean, I have... (laughs) guys and girls just kissing each other and then they went behind the door and then it would stop but at least you know they were people who were dating kind of like watching the jersey shore show and then eventually they got married and had kids so that's where the story would be yeah like look what happened look how it started and look at the results it's so cool to just have that yeah it's actually like home movies like you would with your family it's just that it came at a time where um we were talking, mm-hmm. you could hear the conversations and see where the conversation went. So it's like Animal House Unplugged. Yeah, and you could see where the Jersey Shore that we all know now yes. started. Kind of, you yes. Know? Like you guys town, were the era. real Jersey Shore. I think so. Oh, yeah. I think so. We had all those characters from the Guidos to the Clam Diggers. Oh, God. Uh, to everybody nicknamed their house because a lot of the people who stayed on the Jersey Shore at that time were going to college. Uh-huh. So summertime, where did they go? They went to the Jersey Shore for a summertime job. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were working the door at a club or they were lifeguards. And then they went back to college. Yeah. So you would see Rutgers and you would see uh, all these other colleges and the fraternity. So let's say we were just a fraternity of guys and girls who didn't come from a college. Mm-hmm. And there it you is. Were, you were a working actor in New York. So yeah. you just didn't even go to school. Like you were making money. You had your Jersey Shore house. Well, no, you went to AMDA. Didn't yeah. you go to AMDA? Yes. Yeah. So you went to school. It was just a different kind of school. My junior year in high school, uh, no, junior high in high school, I was going to uh, Herbert Berghoff Studios in New York. Mm-hmm. I seriously wanted to be a theatrical actor. That's all I wanted to do yeah. from Broadway to movies. Me too. And when I graduated high school, that's when I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts because at that time it was a college credit. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh. That was, that was, those were your points. It was going to college. Okay. So I went to the school, but I didn't get invited back to my second year because <laughs> – you weren't allowed to work as a professional actor while you went to school. Okay. And I did a commercial for United Airlines. I didn't think anybody would know. It was the number one commercial 
for five years. Oh, it's God. a big story behind it. So when I went to say, how come I can't come back? They said, because you're Private Zaleski, and we told you, you can't work as an actor. I'm like, do you have any idea how much money I'm making? Yeah. I was just nominated for a Clio. I bought a beach house. That's bullshit. And I was brokenhearted, but that was the rule, and I didn't get to go back to school. Oh, I would be like, deuces, I'm out, and then just go kill it and audition, and that's it. Yes, well, that's what happened. That's exactly what you did. So mm-hmm. you were acting in New York. You you were doing soap operas. You were doing commercials. What was the driving force behind you moving out to L.A. and actually starting to do stand-up? Um, I was 23 years old when I decided to come to Los Angeles for pilot season. Okay. It wasn't something that I really wanted to do, mm-hmm. but it was in January of the year that I was 23. Let's say I would have been 24 come February of that year. I don't remember what year it was, but um, what makes a lot of different people make wild decisions to do something different? Yeah. What is it? I'll ask you the question, see if you can answer it. Uh-oh. What's the what's What makes somebody say, I need a life change? Um, a breakup. A breakup. Yes. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and this is the crooks of what would be great for the Shorehouse story because mm-hmm. this made me write a movie about my life on the Jersey Shore. Really? So much peer pressure in the summer was you shouldn't have a girlfriend. There's too many girls out there to go have fun with. Yeah. But I had a girlfriend. And the pressure from my friends made me think, well, why don't I break up with her during the summer? See if I can't get her back in the fall. <sighs> So I followed the footsteps of my friend's advice, but yet they all had girlfriends and I didn't. So that becomes the writing of a story because what happens to her? Oh, she's going to meet somebody else. Oh, yeah. We're not sitting around for you. (laughs) She met somebody else and I was devastated, but it was all my fault. So in January of that year, I said, well, I'm going to pick up myself and uh, move across the country. And I did. And then I started pursuing my career here. And when I did come here in that January of, and I was 23 years old. I came here when I was 23. 23. Yeah. That, that's the time. <laughs> From a breakup. From a breakup. Yeah. See? Okay. And, an, and an opportunity. Someone was like, oh, my parents own a place in Manhattan Beach. I thought, oh, yeah, that's Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but well, yeah. <laughs> I came for the first three months of pilot season. Uh, I was lucky enough to sign with a big commercial agency because I was with a big commercial agency You're in New York. You're working, yeah. And I booked a bunch of commercials. And they were all happy to have me. But after three, four months, I needed to go home and be with my friends on the Jersey Shore. And I left. You left, okay. Went and had some fun, went surfing, There's filmed a bunch like of more. That's awesome. Worked for my family, went back to New York. Then again, I I did it again when I was 24 for three or four months. Uh-huh. Then I did it again when, say, I was 25, and I kept on trying pilot seasons, getting close on a few things, but just booking commercials. And I was like, oh, I could just do this in New York. Yeah. But it wasn't until I was 29, and I was in a bar in New Jersey, and they were having a comedy competition. And I was with all the guys from the Shore House. And I said, well, watch this. I'll be right back. And I grabbed the microphone, and I go, hey, everybody, how you doing? Listen, I could prove I'm Italian. I know I look like a cop, but I live with my mom, and my mom is cooking, and I did all this stuff about my mom. Mm-hmm. And there you go. Everybody was like, wow, pay that man. So at that year, 29, I came back to Los Angeles, and a friend of mine said, go over to the comedy store and see if you can't get Mitzi to pass you. Mitzi Shore. And Mitzi Shore. Rest in peace. Yeah. Rest yeah. in peace, Mrs. Shore. And so I went over there, and she passed me, and all of a sudden, I'm a comedian. Just like that? No, no, I had to work. It took yeah. me three times. Okay. 
three times. My first two times I was doing impersonations, mm-hmm. thinking I could do that. And I wasn't getting past. The third time I went in there and I, I just gave up. So when I went on stage, I said, listen, I'm from New Jersey. This is what I do. This is what I sound like. And I talk like this. And my mother says like this. And when I got off stage, she goes, I love you. Stay here. And I'm like, wow. Okay. Because like, really, that's all I had to do this whole time. Well, you have to be yourself. It's so true. You have to be yourself. Yeah. When I started trying to be somebody else, no one was coming to watch the show. When I decided, listen, I really am from New Jersey. We do talk like this. I do come from an Italian family. And my mother swears and curses, and we call it gravy. And the more I said, the further it went. And then you get fans, and here we are 25 years later. Wow. Did you ever bring girls home to your mom? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah? Yeah. Was she tough on them? Oh, yeah. You don't have sisters. You have brothers, right? I have an older brother and a younger brother. We don't have any girls around uh, or in the family like that. And, uh, yeah, my mother would grill everybody that came in that door. (laughs) Now, do you like Italian girls or do you like the opposite? Because I feel like every woman in my family is a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, not Italian, Irish, English. Really? Yeah. They went outside. <laughs> yeah, that's a question that uh, I'd rather not answer on the radio. Oh, all right. <laughs> Woo. I think you know, we know what he, what he likes. You, you want to you marry somebody like your mom, yeah. but you really don't want to marry somebody like your mom. Like your mom, yeah. Uh, it's nice to know that people could groove with the same culture and um, idealistics. It's is so that the, Is that the word? Yeah. But... Uh, I really don't like to argue that much. <laughs> and I'm a traveler. You're like, I'm too tired for that now. <laughs> but it would be nice to see the tradition carried yeah. on. You have to carry it on then if you're not going to date an Italian. I do, be- as best I can. Exactly. Right. So Traditionally, funny. I'm sitting here on your show and I'm eating meatballs. Yes. This, in my tradition, would be very bad because you would need to be eating too. I know, you're I right. I can't eat alone. Yeah. My mother would have a fit. What are you doing? Wait for the girl. I know. I had them before. It's fine. Okay. Yeah, I had a lot of I have pasta in the fridge from last night. It was a whole thing. Um, but okay, so you're in LA, you're doing stand up. Mitzi passes you and then you start doing you've done the Tonight Show, like you've done a lot of shows and you also did We have something in common, military tours. Yes. Yeah. And you got to love that. I we should go again. If you go and I'll go. I know. I, I actually just talked to Johnny Cardinale, who booked me on my first military tour. Is that right? With Jill Kimmel, Nick Novicki, and Chris Wyvel. Yeah, we went to, God, Nick? we were, yeah, Nick. Yeah, we were all on tour. We went to Germany. No, we, we started in Spain, Portugal, Egypt, Jordan, Turkey. Like, it was. Holy smoke. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. It was the best three weeks of my life. It was amazing. I loved it. So tell me about your troops experience. My first military tour was maybe at least 20 years ago. And the first one was in Japan. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Laugh Factory did um, the comics on tour. And that was the craziest one because we went to Saddam Hussein's castle. We actually performed there when they took that statue down. Yeah. We performed in the castle. What was that castle like? I don't know. Well, it was like a big mansion where he ruled. Yeah. And uh, he had an indoor pool, and it was everything that you see on TV. And then we went to, uh, God, so many different places. But we also did uh, one that was really special because we took a bus during a time where they were fighting. And we went from Macedonia, Macedonia, to... Kosovo yes and 
it was during uh, wartime, and they were at war. Milosevic was doing ethnic cleansing. You can't quote me too much because I don't really remember so much. Yeah. But I remember being on the bus, and you see all the immigrants going from country to country trying to leave because Milosevic was kicking them out of Belgrade, Yugoslavia. <laughs> they were getting kicked out of Belgrade, Yugoslavia. Okay. And that's where the Americans were keeping peacetime. So now here we are in Macedonia going to Kosovo with the people to go to do a show in Kosovo. And we passed the hotel, which was war-torn in the 70s by the Cold War. Uh And that's where they had the Winter Olympics in Sarajevo. So when we were going by in the bus and the guy was explaining the war, because it's really the most incredible, beautiful, scenic view you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yet they still have bullet holes in the houses and in the buildings God. all these years later. So the guy who drove the bus said, if you look over there, that's where they had the Winter Olympics in Sarajevo, uh-huh. 76, let's say. Yeah. And as you can see, it's a huge mortuary. That's where they put all the dead. Thousands of dead people in the stadium. <sighs> And then the hotel, supposedly, where they were shooting everybody in the hotel who were not part of the war, uh-huh. let's say the American consulate, and they went over there to hide. Now, that's before our time. Yeah. Really, because we're just kids, or at least I was a kid. You might not have been born yet. Nope, wasn't around. Okay. <laughs> but I remember it specifically. But we read about it. Me and the other comedians were learning and seeing the, the helicopters and the war machines and the guns and and all this stuff, and here we are just to entertain for a few weeks and then leave. But what an education. And I do remember getting off the bus, and there were these children standing there, and they could have been 5 and 10 years old, mm-hmm. blonde hair, blue eyes, and I went over there with some water bottles and some Snickers and some Twix candies mm-hmm. from the bus that said Laugh Factory on tour, and I went over and I said, Hello, do you children speak English? Mm-hmm. And the little boy looked at me and goes, what do you think, we're stupid? And I go, then give me back the candy. <laughs> <laughs> I got that on tape, too. Oh God, <laughs> I love that little boy. <laughs> little tough guy. I know. Feisty. I mean, the craziest thing about doing those tours is, like, it's so fun for us, and it's amazing meeting everyone, but it's also so sad because we get to leave. You get to leave. And it's how depressing thinking about that. And it's also cool, though. So many of the trips will come up and be like, I always wanted to try stand up like you guys inspired me to. And we're like, start an open mic on bait. Like, start. Just start. Just do it. You know, but it is. It's an eye opener. It's a great experience. But I, like you, would get very depressed Mm -hmm. when I left because I'm like, wow, they have to stay here. Yeah. It's a they lot. have to stay here, and they might not leave. Mm-hmm. Oh man, is that so? You have a whole bit, and I love it, and I'll probably play it right now about getting an Italian into the White House, an Italian being a yeah. president. We need to involve Italian people in more things in this world, ladies and gentlemen. We wouldn't have half the problems we're having in this country, am I right? My dream was always to see a nice Italian president from New Jersey run the country for a little bit. How much fun would that be? We wouldn't even need four years in the White House. Three months, straighten out the whole country. Done. And I'll tell you right now, we had an Italian president running the country. This war in Afghanistan be over. You wouldn't know how, but it'd be over. <laughs> and then they'd ask our president, like a really big news conference, be like, Mr. President, 
You ended the war in Baghdad. Can you tell us how you did it? Our boy be on national television in a three-piece suit, smoking a cigarette, going... (laughs) Don't worry about it. You just go enjoy the gas prices at 32 cents a gallon now, okay? So were you doing those jokes on that tour, or did they come from that? Yes. In fact, at that time, that's when I started coming up with the fact that if there was an Italian president, we wouldn't be dealing with these uh, crazy things. And now that you just reminded me, there were some jokes I don't do anymore, but I probably could. Because I remember when we first went to war in Afghanistan, and I did this joke out there. Mm -hmm. I said, uh, France didn't want to help America. They didn't want to be part of what we were doing. And I said, man, if I was running the country and France didn't want to help America, I'd cut the head off the Statue of Liberty and send it back to France as a warning. And they just went nuts. Yeah. Because, you know, when you think about the history of that. And then I said, you could just imagine the French ambassador seeing the head of the Statue of Liberty come floating back in, but no body parts and just the head all twisted with an ice pick in the eye. And they were just screaming. And I'm like, wow, this is a great joke. I wonder if it'll work. And that's when I ended up doing it on TV. Yeah. Because they said, don't do that on the TV show. Oh, really? Was that for Comics Unleashed? Comics Unleashed. And I says, but trust me, I think it's going to work. So I took, I got rid of the ice pick line and, and the... The, the the French thing, and I just said, we'd have whacked Osama bin Laden and, and looked at the other guy and said, just take the rugs because <laughs> they had all the Persian rugs. That's yeah. what I was thinking, and it's a play on uh, take the gun, leave the cannolis. Oh, yeah. So that's basically what I'm doing. And the whole horse head and the bed. Yes. that I have never had worse nightmares than when <clears throat> the first time I saw that scene. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> And I always say, whenever I do shows that are like flappers that are in Burbank or like Ice House, Glendale, I'm always like, I'm Italian. It's like Persian with pizza. Because right. <laughs> we are. We all get along. We're all yeah. so similar. You've said it's the same cologne, basically. Yeah. yeah Truck exactly. car. Yeah. <laughs> Truck car noir. It's terrible. If that's even happening anymore. I do mean, I'm... people get mad that are Italian? Like, do you get any hate from people oh, in yeah. the Italian community? Of course. Yeah, there's always going to be somebody who's going to be upset about something. So what's your response to that? Nothing. Really? Nothing. Because I think maybe just a couple of weeks ago, I got a letter from somebody who uh-huh. said, I don't condone that type of comedy. I'm a very intelligent man. Yeah. Now, I could respond and say, okay, well, if you're intelligent, then do your research on who I am and what I've done. Yeah. I was the president and the original guy who started the Feast of San Gennaro in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. I started the Italian-American Club in Los Angeles. I've raised millions of dollars for what happened in uh, Italy during the earthquake. Mm -hmm. But you want to talk to me about a joke that you're uncomfortable with. Mm -hmm. So rather than get into it, you just don't say nothing. Okay. How intelligent is this person that they didn't look into it? Besides, this is comedy. Exactly. It's tongue in cheek. And if I wanted to, and I removed the word Italian uh-huh. and said me, now no one could have a problem because it's me. This is what I would do. This is what I say. Uh-huh. This is the way my mother talks. This is the way I act. You remove the word, now everybody's left out. Exactly. Truth of the matter is, I am Italian. My parents really are from Italy. It's not a joke at all. Do you speak Italian? No, I don't. You know why we don't speak Italian? Why? Because my mother said to me and my two brothers when we were kids, we're Americans. 
And we worked very hard to get here. Mm-hmm. So we are going to be Americans, and we're going to sound like Americans. And you don't need to speak Italian, not here. Got it. Could you imagine that? That's now here so it is, crazy. all these years. I wish I was bilingual. I know, <laughs> I know a certain. But words. that's why they did that. Yeah. Because I have cousins that don't speak Italian, and my mother's bloodline. I mean, her and all her brothers and sisters all were born and raised in Italy uh-huh. before they came to the United States. Yeah. I actually have my great-grandmother's passport to the United States. She came and she was 80. Oh, my god! Why gosh. bother? Yeah. You're 80. Just live it out in Italy. <laughs> yeah. But- have a good run. But you also, you ran into family. So Mike's done the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival over seven times before. Yeah. You ran into family in Montreal, right? Yeah. Okay. How, do, how did that happen? She actually still writes to me. It's really, really great because she keeps finding other Berardos, which is my mother's last name, Berardo. Okay. And they're all in Toronto and Montreal, the Berardos. Now, I do know that. There's any listening. Hi. Hey, Marco. Ciao. Ciao. (laughs) (laughs) They speak Italian. Uh, They even look at us like, why don't you all speak Italian? They're they're, they're trilingual. They speak French, Italian. Uh, In Montreal Comedy Festival, some woman came up to me and she had a chart of her family tree, uh-huh. and she said, um, "Can I talk to you? My name is Antoinette Bernardo." Isn't that and your I mom's go, name? "That's my mother's name." I go, "My mother's name is Antoinette Bernardo," and she said, "Yes." Does your grandfather Dominic? And I says, "Yeah." And a cu- couple more questions. I said, "Yes, yes, yes." And she goes, "Hello, I'm your cousin." <laughs> oh, I love it! You're keeping it in the family for real yeah. while doing comedy. That's actually my mother's side of the family. So yeah. to hear all of that is great, I and mean, they got great. Great stories. I mean, my mother really does complain about cooking too much. And she would always say, I'm, I'm too old. I don't want to do it no more. Yeah. And then we say, well, Ma, take a break. Don't do it. Well, who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? That's None it. of you guys are married. Where are you? Who would, I'll do it. I'll do it. So that's where I would start coming up with jokes. With My mother said that she's not going to cook anymore so much that I figured, well, maybe it was her greatest ancestor that was responsible for the Last Supper. And he said, you know what, Jesus, I've had enough. I'm not cooking anymore. This is the Last Supper. So paint a picture of the whole thing. Where's Leonardo? Tell him he could do it. (laughs) And that's the way I developed these particular jokes. And I remember one time some Italian guy actually said, you know, I'm a little offended by that. I go, but don't you understand? It actually is just tongue-in-cheek. It's just nobody's being really made fun of. It's silly. And you're having fun with it. I so, feel like comedy is supposed to be fun. Th- there are some comedians that take it to the extreme, and you feel yeah. like saying, well, that's a little nasty. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm not. But I like wanted, I said, you I know. wanted to ask you about, because you can do clean, but you can also do, you know, a dirty set at 1230 at South Point yeah. Casino. Like, yeah. you could do. <laughs> it's a great room. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you're so good about, you know, I feel like you could be 10 years old or, I don't, you know. In your 80s watching Well, that's why sometimes entertaining on the cruise ships, you see kids. Yeah. And it has to be a G-rated show. Okay. So what you do is you just don't curse, and you pull all of that rhythm out just a little bit, enough for kids to feel, okay, he's Tony Soprano, but he's not doing anything wrong. Okay. The adults think it's great. They're having some fun. Yeah. And teenagers feel like they're watching a movie. It's true. Then if you want to do something like... uh, in the hood, I mean, I first started training in the hood here in California. Mm-hmm. There wasn't enough open mics, so you'd end up on a Saturday night at 12 o'clock at Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. Mm-hmm. And there was everything in there that you can think of. But I would get away with it because I would say that I wasn't white, that I was Italian. 
and it doesn't really matter. So I would just get into the groove. Yeah. And then I made up jokes that I thought would be okay in those areas. Uh-huh. And they were. Yeah. When I first started playing the hood, and believe me, I saw all the guys that became big-time successful comedians. Yeah. I mean, even uh, Cat Williams. They used to call him the cat in the hat. And he would show up with a, a carriage because he said he was homeless. And he brought it up on stage. Kevin Hart was there. All these cats were there. And uh, I would go on stage and say, yeah, I'm a gang member too, man. I'm in a, I'm in a gang. I'm in a Sam's Club, and I'll cut prices in half. That's how I roll. And they were like, oh, my God. <laughs> and you would get away with it because it was kind of funny. Well, yeah, I always it say took a big chance. I joined a sorority in college because it was the closest thing I could find to the mafia. Like, <laughs> that's it. Well, that's know? a great joke. Yeah. But mm-hmm. that's and that's how you relate it. So it's cool that you can do all those rooms. Who were your biggest comedy influences? Well, you know, growing up in New Jersey, before I ever thought I'd crack a joke, Dice was the guy. Mm-hmm. Andrew Dice Clay, Rodney Dangerfield. You would listen to his albums. You would impersonate him. You wanted to sound like Rodney. Um, but I never thought I'd do stand up. One of the first stand up shows I've ever saw, I ever saw, was at. Rascals in West Orange, which is a famous comedy club. That's next to where my parents live now. Oh, is that right? Yeah, well, they're in West Caldwell. Sadly, it's no it's longer a comedy there. club, but West Orange's Rascals was the big time. Mm-hmm. And I saw Sam Kinison, and I remember going, well, I could do that. It's not, not that big of a deal. <laughs> um, but Andrew Dice Clay. And then I don't know when it was. Sometimes I even wonder if he would even remember because I see him every once in a while. But Andrew Dice Clay would come to the comedy store on Sunday nights, and I was hosting. Uh-huh. I would always host the open mic, the late-night open mic, which was for paid regulars, mm-hmm. not open micers. And my parents were visiting. So my father was in the parking lot, and he came inside, and he goes, uh, your friend outside said you're doing really good. He's thinking about taking you on the road. You're going to be his opening act. And I said, who's my friend? He goes, the guy outside keeps bumming my cigarettes from me. And I go, well, who? Who are you talking about? And he goes, the guy with the jacket, the guy with the gloves. He's in the parking lot. He says, you friends. And I'm like, you mean Andrew Dice Clay? He goes, I don't know what his name is. He's in the parking lot. Oh, my God. And I go outside. I'm like, that. that's Andrew Dice Clay. He goes, well, what do I know? Because <laughs> you don't know. It. No. Well, for that specific reason, Dice actually loved my father because he wasn't. He doesn't care. He didn't say anything. He was just like, yeah, go ahead. Have a, have a butt. So. I eventually went on tour with Dice, and I opened for him at uh, Rascals in West Orange. It was me, him, and Jimmy Norton. That's so cool. Me and Jimmy Norton ended up getting in a movie called Errors, Freaks, and Oddities. Uh-huh. And uh, I already knew Jimmy from the stand-up world. Yeah. So we were happy, and Dice let me do what I want. And when my father came to the show, he walked into the green room, and Dice just got up and goes, I love you so much. He was hugging my father. And we all got to hang out, and everything was cool. I think some months went by. Dice was cutting an album. I believe that album was called uh, Ass Up, Face Down. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we did backup singing. Me, <laughs> Sebastian Maniscalco, oh, and Wheels Parisi were in this booth. Dice was rapping, and we would go and boogaloogaloo, boogaloogaloo, boogaloogaloo. I mean, it was filthy what he was doing, but it was funny. And we were starry-eyed. We're looking at a star. Mm. This is Andrew Dice Clay, and we're the backup singers. That's awesome. He was my favorite part of A Star Is Born. He was great he in A Star so Is Born. He was so good. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I want to 
no, I'd live with you. You're so awesome. He reminded me of my dad. How but, great was he? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I Phil Marfuji Sr., if you're listening, hi, everyone, buy Locatelli cheese. But I feel like my dad, he, my dad's like a coach. He's like, this is what you need to do. Like, And it reminded me of Dice Clay in that movie. Andrew's been in a lot of movies. Yeah. He's a great actor. And... Um, I think he really should have been at the Oscars. I do too. Maybe be part of that somehow. Where was he during all of award season? Because I don't know all the like the drag queen, like Willem was there, who was the beautiful drag queen that um, Jackson signed the boobs on. Like everyone else was there. Where was Andrew? I don't know. Um, I actually I was curious. Do people compare you to? Like a Maniscalco or a Damarera, like certain, because I feel like those are the three of you are kind of the Italian bits. Well, I guess that's nice to be part of that, but um, yeah. did a lot of work with Sebastian cutting our teeth at the comedy store mm-hmm. from bad gigs where you got $5 and a sandwich to going all the way down to San Diego for five minutes at the comedy store mm-hmm. for free. And then you grow, and then you go out on tour, and you're on your own, so you really don't know what anybody else is doing anymore. Exactly. And so, yeah, just about everybody, every day will say to me, do you know Sebastian? Do you know Sebastian? You could be like a Sebastian. You could be like a Sebastian. I'm like, well, whatever. But he's not the only one. He's not. People will say to me, hey, you know, do you know Dom Herrera? Which I know extremely well. And then uh, also... In New Jersey, uh, Vic DiBetetto, mm-hmm. every day. Do you know Vic? Do you know Vic? Do you know Vic? I'm like, well, yeah. yeah. And we all know each other. Mm-hmm. We do. Um, some guys keep pursuing. Some guys get families and they don't pursue. And some guys make a living. Some guys quit. Some guys go through the roof. Yeah. In this business, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. So just working and earning a living alone you're extremely successful. I respect that so much about you because you're a hustler, you're a hard worker, and I feel like a good mantra for you is always be working. Yeah. You know, I, um, you mentioned Jersey, um, <laughs> the theme of this podcast. I want to know, you perform at the Paramount Theater in Asbury Park, and I yeah. feel like you do a lot with Asbury Park. Um, do you have anything coming up there? Uh, in 2006... When the Asbury Park Paramount Theater was condemned and everything down there was condemned, someone said to me, why don't you open it and film a special in there? Mm -hmm. And I go, but where would I get the people? So make a long story short, 1,600 people showed up. We filmed that show. The next year, the boardwalk was bought by a company and they started investing. So now Asbury Park Uh, is the place to be. It's so cool. But the Paramount is now remodeled, Mm -hmm. so it's not a 1929 theater anymore. It's state-of-the-art. So Live Nation steps in. So now all of a sudden, the no-name comedian is going to have to be considered by the powerhouses. Uh So for a couple years, I couldn't get back in. Mm -hmm. Then someone called me and said, how come you don't play here anymore? And I go, well, the powers that be changed, so I don't know anybody. Mm Well, we got to change that. So I went back in, did a pretty successful show, and then I guess a year and a half later, another guy called me and he said, hey, you know, how come you don't play here? And you're kind of like, I've been calling you for 10 years. <laughs> so now I'm a staple in the area. Yeah. And every other summer, I would sell out the Paramount. Mm-hmm. However, this year, they called and said, when are you coming? And I inked the deal at Count Basie. And the thing is, Count Basie is too close. Uh 
And I would never be able to do two theaters at 1500 within a three-month span. Got it. So I'm going to do Count Basie Tell and us when. Pack. Huh? Tell us when. May 25, Count Basie, Red Bank, New Jersey. Oh, First I time love appearance. Red Bank. Oh, it's so good. I, I used to, to work be. in Cold Snacks. So Is Red right? Bank was like my old stomping grounds. Yeah, we were just there over Christmas. Okay. I love it there. Hey, uh, Bonacera. We Bonacera. need to introduce you to Mr. Anthony. Unless... I've never eaten there, and I don't know who that is. Oh, he's the owner. You have to... No, it's great. Well, we need to make yeah. this really, No, Mr. Really Anthony, big. he owns Coco Perry. Um, why can't I think of the owner of Bonacera? But they all hang out. Um, we'll talk later. But shout out Good. to Bonacera. Good. Yeah, we know everyone there. That's where I had my graduation party. No <laughs> we kidding. had the whole upstairs of Bonacera. Yeah. It's a great. That's where you need to do. We should do a live podcast at Bonacera after your Count Pacey show. Okay. We'll talk later. Beautiful. <laughs> talk. Beautiful. Um, do you have any advice before you're going to do a special reading at the end with me? Do you have any advice for any comedians or actors or anyone coming up from New Jersey or in L.A.? Anything that you just think people should know? Well, if you really want to be a stand-up comedian, you're looking at an uphill battle. You do have to go out every night of the week and find an open mic somewhere, mm-hmm. some reason to say your jokes, not just to your friends. That mm-hmm. doesn't really help. Your friends are always going to say, oh, you're funny. That's not stand-up comedy. Stand-up comedy is in a club with a bunch of people waiting to go on stage who are not listening to you. Yeah. You work, you work, you work, you work, and all of a sudden there's going to be a real audience someday and all that work is going to pay off. Mm. Like going to the gym. You work on your muscles, you work on your muscles, all of a sudden you show off and you look like an athlete, you win. It's the same thing here. I mean, the amount of open mics that I attended and the crap that I went through and the hell on this ride is just out of control. But you have to. Mm -hmm. You have to. And you're going to get your ass kicked. You're going to get beat up. There's the people who are going to say, you stink, what are you doing? But you can't pay attention, mm-hmm. otherwise you'll fail. You have to just stay the course. Don't listen to an agent, a manager, another comedian. If it's what you want to do, do it. Do what you want to do. Don't do other people's material. Try not to watch too many other people who are coming up because you'll get influenced. You might end up taking a joke that you didn't mean the joke Mm -hmm. to take. But I very seldom watch any other comedian anymore because I I don't want to be influenced. The only people I watch is my uh, my opening acts Mm -hmm. so that I don't do a subject matter that they do. I was just watching Crashing, the series finale Right. On HBO last night. And the whole episode was about Pete Holmes opening for John Mulaney. Uh-huh. And right before Pete went on stage, John was like, don't talk about family. Don't talk about this. Right. And Pete's like, "I that's my whole act. And he was like, well, just go out and be funny and don't talk about that shit. So you don't tell your opening act, like, stay away from this or whatnot. They should know already, I feel like. Some too. certain uh, subject matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will have to tell them, you know, don't cover this. Yeah. But I know them all so well these days that I know what they do. And if we do cover a subject matter that neither of us can change, I make reference to what he said. And you go forward. Mm -hmm. You know, when so-and-so said this, I thought it was great. But, you know, when I, and then you just continue forward. Exactly. So if you were on stage and you said, my mom's meatballs, I would just say, you know, I know she had a, a mom and her mom's meatballs were great. But let me tell you about my mother's meatballs. Yeah. My mother. 
and then it doesn't look like you just anything. call it out. Yes, and, and we would just, never have to worry about it because my mom doesn't cook or make meatballs. My dad's well, the one, so perfect. So that's hilarious. <laughs> I, and I would actually say, how does that oh, happen? Yeah. My father can't cook. Oh, exactly. It's like a whole role reversal in our family. Um, okay, so normally at the end of the podcast, we do a reading of a Lady Gaga song because she retweeted me. Okay, and so she's goals guest and whatnot. But I thought. As a treat to the meatballs and to your family, um, it would be more fun to do a reading from one of the most famous scenes in My Cousin Vinny. Oh, really? Yes, right? What I do with my glasses? Oh, no. Okay. Do you have them? Yes. Okay. Um, you're Vinny. Um, <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm, I'm Mona Lisa. And we are doing a famous scene. I normally have to be like, you should do it in a Jersey accent. But I feel like just do it as you. Okay. All right. Should we just try it? This is hilarious. I know. I feel like this is fun. Can I throw out a quick, a quick trivia? Oh, yes. Please. Okay. So uh, Mona was played by Marissa, Marissa Tomei. Mm-hmm. When I was on As the World Turns, Marissa Tomei was on the show. And she was probably 19 years old. Meg Ryan was probably 22, 23. And I was a car mechanic. The guy who was the antagonist was my partner, was the driver. And we always got in fights with Marissa Tomei's boyfriend on the show. Are you serious? Yeah. And I remember, you know, my friend was dating Marissa. We used to go to her place in the village. And never even thinking we would be more than just a bunch of kids on As the World Turns. And I I quit As the World Turns because I got a job that was filming in Italy. Oh, my God. And they never gave me a contract. I went on as a day player. Yeah. But the day player and the other characters, the storyline got fan mail, so they kept us going. That's so cool. And they never got a contract, but it went into a recurring character. I even had a name. My name was Larry. I'm like, who named me Larry? I know. Jeez. Yeah. Ugh. My first thing was a day player on Guiding Light in New York. Guiding Light? Guiding, do you remember Guiding Light? Ryan's Hope. Oh, yeah. God, we're aging ourselves. That's so cool. Was Marissa really cool? Very nice. She's like a Very fine nice. wine. She just keeps getting better. Like, she still looks phenomenal. We got to get her to do a project with us. I, exactly. That's it. Um, from your mouth to God's ears. Okay. Ready? I'm walking around. I'm pacing. What's the matter with you? I don't know. <laughs> you're acting like you're nervous or something. Well, yeah, I am. What are you nervous about? I'm the one under the gun here. Trial starts tomorrow. You want to know what I'm nervous about? I'll tell you what I'm nervous about. I am in the dark here with all this legal crap. I have no idea what's going on. All I know is that you're screwing up and I can't help. You left me that little camera, didn't you? Oh, Vinny, I'm watching you go down in flames and you're bringing me with you and I can't do anything about it. And? Well, I hate to bring it up because I know you have enough pressure on you already, but we agreed to get married as soon as you won your first case. Meanwhile, ten years later, my niece, the daughter of my sister, is getting married. My biological clock is ticking like this. And the way this case is going, I ain't ever getting married. <laughs> Lisa, I don't need this. <laughs> I swear to God, I don't need this right now, okay? I got a judge that's aching to throw me in jail. An idiot who wants to fight me for $200. Slaughtered pigs, giant loud whistles. I ain't slept in five days. I got no money, a dress code problem, and a little murder case, which in the balance holds the lives of two innocent kids. Not to mention your biological clock. 
my career, your life, our marriage, and let's see, what else can we pile on? Is there any more shit we can pile on the top of this, on the outcome of this case? Is it possible? Maybe it was a bad time to bring it up. And scene. Oh, I'd cast you in a second, Mike well, I Marino. couldn't help but laugh while it's going. While I'm reading. It's so fun. Because then you start thinking about the movie. It's so good. What a classic. <laughs> uh, do you know they were supposed to make a My Cousin Vinny too? Oh, is that right? Yeah. And I think it was Marissa who wouldn't sign on. And now they're like trying to get it back going. But I don't know if uh, there's interest. I don't know if people care. We should make it. Um, that was our audition, actually. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I could do better. <laughs> um, Mike, pimp yourself out. Tell the meatballs where they can find you, what you have coming up, everything. I want to tell all you meatballs that are listening to this show. You can go to MikeMarino.net. Log on to my website. Subscribe. You can go to my YouTube channel, my Twitter channel, and my Instagram, Facebook. Everything is at Mike Marino Live, mm-hmm. and you'll find out when I'm performing in your neighborhood. I love it. I loved this. Yeah, this was fun. Right? This is a great show. You're you guys amazing. can come on my show, too. I do a show called Live from My Mother's Basement. It really is my mother's basement. That's so cool. Yeah. Where can they find that? On uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, <laughs> DDV Radio, ItalianAmericanRadio.com. Oh, my God. Facebook. Live. But- <laughs> Facebook like that, Live. like that. All the things. I love it. Well, another thing I fell into, but I'm having fun doing it. That's so fun. I mean, the name alone is fun. Um, thank you so much for being of here. Of course. I really, grazie. Thank you. Hey. <laughs> Two Italian kids I talking Italian. Hey, grazie. Yeah. <laughs> perfecto. Um, and meatballs, you're fatutamente perfecto. That means fucking perfect. Uh, I want to say thank you again for subscribing, reviewing, rating, and please share with your friends because that's how I find out about podcasts I like from my friends. Um, and if you have any questions for me or Mike, email me at what's your Jersey podcast at gmail.com. I hope you have a fabulous weekend. Happy national meatball day. You're the best. I love you. I'm Jacqueline Marfuji. This is what's your Jersey and we'll catch you on the flip side. Bye. Just put your paws up. Cause you were born this way, baby. My mama told me when I was young, we're all one superstar.